Welcome to PackRip Media Presents NFT. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy. Was joined in this episode by Jennifer Sudo, and we get into Top Shot NFTs, her entry into the space. She was a super early Top Shot adopter, and uh, we talk about what life was like in simpler times. Um, and we get into other NFT projects as well, and just talk about the space in general. So um, I'm really excited to get into this episode with her. I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, I don't know, there's not much else to say other than let's get into it. Here we go. NFTeach and Jennifer Sudo. And we are back. I am very, very excited to be joined by Jennifer Sudo, a prominent NFT collector and one of the first people I started watching in the space when I got in, in in late February. Jennifer, welcome to NFTeach. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm super pumped to be on the show. I'm, I'm pumped to have you. So the first question is the same for every guest is what in the world got you into this strange universe of, of a, you know, JPEGs and avatars? Like, how did this happen? Um, so I first uh, got into cryptocurrency in like 2017. And I started really learning about about uh, blockchain technology and, and, you know, crypto and all that. And um, I, you know, invested in crypto. And then, and then it wasn't until and I had heard about crypto kitties back then, but I didn't really look into it. And it wasn't until late 2020. When uh, my sister, she had a uh, kind of like remembered that she had crypto kitties and basically she ended up losing the keys to her wallet and she totally oh. lost all the kitties that she had. Yeah. Kind of tragic. And so she was like, you know what, I'm going to buy more kitties. And, um, I was kind of like, I don't know. I don't really want to spend my Ethereum, you know, like I like holding ETH and, um, I don't really want to buy, like, I don't, I don't understand like NFTs. Like why should I buy these crypto kitties? And then Steph, kind of just like convinced me and I was like, you know what? All right, let me put a little money into this and let me, you know, uh, buy some fancies and some, you know, Gen 1 uh, fast uh, kitties. And so I put a little in, I have like a dozen or so kitties right now that I just hold on to. But, um, and then, you know, from there, uh, we found out about NBA Top Shot when they uh, opened up their public beta because Steph was on the Dapper Labs website and she just found out about it. And, um, and so then we just started collecting and we're like, you know what, this is going to be huge because, you know, there's so many basketball fans. Um, and you know, this is kind of, I feel like the way to introduce the masses to blockchain technology and they're doing it in like such like a fun and simple way. So, um, I was like all in the moment I found out and, um, yeah, the rest is history. So, so like 95% of people I speak to maybe even more, maybe like 97%, like their, their entry point is always top shot. So it's kind of cool that your story is it predates top shot. It's like crypto kitties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It kind of, it, it didn't click for like NFTs didn't really click for me until NBA top shot, I feel. So, you know, I was, I was hesitant about crypto kitties, but you know, I did it anyway. Well, yeah. You listened to your sister. Good advice. So you, you had some crypto kitties, you got into top shot uh, now, I mean, it's funny when I like reference things back with people in the Top Shot universe because, like, we talk about February like it was 16 years ago at this point. So, you know, like, you're obviously when are you starting to collect Top Shot? Like, what's your like? If you have to go chronologically, your entry point is when? 
Oh, like 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 talking about the future, or talking about when like I started really going hard. Like your first pack you ever ripped. When are we oh. talking? I mean, as soon as I joined in October, like it was like mid October. I bought my fir- you know I bought my first pack. I bought I bought moments on the marketplace. I was buying a lot of S one rares. I wasn't a really a believer in S one commons because they were abundant. And they were only a dollar, and I was like, eh. But I was like, you know what? S one rares like they're only like ten bucks. Like I'll I'll just buy some of these, and I'll God, just buy. Can you imagine S one rares for ten bucks? And S1 right. Commons for a dollar. Crazy also. Seriously. But I was like, I was like, ooh, legendary, that's way too much. You know, like I was, you know, I'm more of a floor scrape buyer, I guess. And and you know, I didn't uh I actually um the prices really didn't budge much. So I I didn't sell until my first sale, I think I had test listed something and it went through like late December. And I, I think I had bought like this rare moment for 20 bucks and, you know, listed it for 40 and it didn't sell for like two months, you know? So I, I really, um, you know, it wasn't too lucrative back then. It was just kind of like, there was only a couple thousand, you know, users and it was, it was more like you knew you were early and, you know, you just kind of were, were getting into, you know, to hold as a long-term investment. So, so, so walk me through, you know, you were early, like we're, we're talking about October, like Again, that's like 600 years in NFT land, you know, like so much has changed from then. But like what when you were there in October and November and December, you sell this this moment for for 40 bucks. Like, did you feel the bubble coming? Did you feel that like February insanity was was a little bit away? Like, or did you think it was just going to kind of go up slowly? Like it was just going to appreciate a little bit as more people got into the space. Like what, what were you thinking back then when you were in it? So I actually had kind of taken a break cause I was moving um, in late October. So I kind of ended up taking a break uh, November and December. And so I actually got this email from Katie, you know, the, the head of marketing for Dapper Labs. And she had sent this email basically showing this graph of like this parabolic chart of, you know, the sales volume, you know, since they had started their closed beta in May, you know, the public beta opened in October. And it was like all of a sudden in this parabolic run up, you know, for January. And I saw the email and I was like, uh, what's happening? So I log into MBA Topshot and, you know, I only had that one moment listed really and it had sold and I saw that it sold. And, and then I was like looking at prices and I was like, whoa, you know, because that first run up was really in January. Um, and then I was just kind of like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is really exciting. Like things are popping off. And I started selling a bunch of moments. Um, and then I was like, you know what, I'm going to upgrade. And so I ended up buying like a S1 legendary hollow moment. You know, I ended up just like selling a bunch of my commons that I had gotten from packs, like, you know, packs that were like, you know, nine bucks. And, and I was just like, let me just sell these. I sold my Vince Carter for, you know, I don't know, a couple hundred maybe. I didn't even, you know, know who he was. And I was just like, oh, let's go for a lot. Let me sell it. And then um, I ended up, you know, buying some uh, legendaries, I think, um, with the money. And then, you know, things kind of cooled down a bit. I remember uh, January, the S1 floor had had peaked at like 25, 30 bucks for S1 comments. And I was like, this is crazy. And, you know, I was selling a bunch. And then things ended up calming down early February. I remember the floor was like $15 and I was like, okay, you know, things are getting back to normal. Yeah. That was kind of crazy. And then all of a sudden, you know, things start going crazy again for February. And I was like, things are going way too crazy. Like the S1 common floor was like a hundred dollars basically. And, and, 
yeah, I, I knew that it was, um, unsustainable for it to be, you know, going up so quickly and so fast. So I was doing a lot of selling. Um, I didn't sell everything obviously, cause I, you know, I wanted to hold on to a lot of my moments and I felt like it was kind of historical that I had bought them for so cheap and such. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I sold, but then I just ended up, uh, reinvesting. Like I, I've only really taken out maybe a thousand dollars, um, from Topshop, but yeah, I ended up waiting one or two months and reinvesting it all back in thinking that we were at the bottom. Of course we weren't, uh, but you know, it's all good. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of how things went. And, and right now I'm just kind of like, really, I'm just chilling. I'm just, you know, I'm buying packs. I'm not really doing too much. I already have a lot of moments. I already have, you know, a big portfolio. And so, you know, kind of getting into other NFTs as a result, but yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's interesting because I think that, uh, I got in in late February. So I was, I came in in the middle of the insanity and similar to you, uh, I'm a school principal, but I had spent a lot of time educating kids about blockchain. So I was, I, it was, ne- I was never a crypto guy. In fact, I always sort of detested crypto because I felt like every whenever you would try to explain blockchain to someone, it would get like reduced to Bitcoin. Like th- that would, they would equate the two as the same thing. So like I was never a big crypto person. And so what got me in was the fact that like the MBA was leveraging blockchain technology to like sell these collectibles. Uh, and I would describe myself very much a floor scraper too. I could, I'm a bulls collector and a floor scraper. Those would be the two ways I would describe like my, um, my sort of entry point into top shot. Uh, so then you're creating content, you're making YouTube videos, you're, you're sort of doing weekly updates and things like that. So, you know, uh, you're obviously now with evaluate.market. So what, what was the sort of path for you to then become working full-time in the NFT space, uh, you know, with social and marketing for Evaluate? That's a good question. Well, pretty much, you know, I, I got really excited about NBA Top Shot again in January. And, you know, basically I was just so excited every single day about it that I just decided, you know what, I'm going to start filming these YouTube videos. And I think I started like mid-February, I, I just started posting videos and and um, really, it was because I just felt like this was such like a um, historic thing that was happening that I was like, you know what, I really want to document kind of like what's happening, you know, every week, like in, you know, in the space on NBA Top Shot. So I just started posting these weekly update videos um, and and I just have been doing them for like five months now, basically. But uh yeah, it's nice to be able to document, you know, floor prices of everything and, and just kind of like some big events that have happened in the week and such. Oh, but anyway, so how I started working with Evaluate was um, I was posting these YouTube videos. And at the time, there really wasn't many people posting videos on YouTube about NBA Top Shot. And the people that were, were not showing their face. They were just showing Yeah, they were anonymous people. and And so I was like, you know what, I see an opportunity here and I'm going to take it. You know, I see the opportunity for me to actually, you know, put myself out there, show my face and, um, you know, maybe I can be like one of the top, like top shot content creators or something. So, um, yeah, that's what I did. And then, and then, um, one of the co-founders of Evaluate, uh, just like saw my videos and, um, you know, they had started the company, uh, in like, 
January. So it was like, they were pretty fresh and, you know, they were growing really fast and they reached out and they're like, Hey, uh, you know, we basically we want to, we want you to work for us. And I was down. Cause I was like, you know what? I would love to work in the NFT space. Like this is so fun for me and you know, why not? And so, yeah, it's been great. And, and, you know, there's some great guys that, that work there and everything. So it's fun. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, so it must have been like early March. Uh, there's another friend in Dubai. I podcast with him on uh, NFT related episodes, not Top Shot. His name's uh, Desert Minter. And he had sent me a YouTube link on WhatsApp. Oh, check this out. Like there's this person talking about Top Shot on YouTube. It was you. And I was like, oh my God, people talk about this. It's not just us two talking about this. Like there's another human being who uh, is talking about this. So I remember that was early March. I think I, I watched an update video. And then, you know, um, so we start to get toward April, right? And the market starts to shift. Prices start to go down. Like, it's a tough line as a content creator. And even for me now, right? Like, it's a tough line to, um, to, to not create FUD on one hand. Um, also have some um, critique or criticism for ways that the product can improve. Uh, but, but, you know, like at the same time, um, you know, not try to scare people out of the space. So when you're like, you're in a tough spot too, because you're, you're a person who started as a top shot content creator, you're an NFT content creator. So how do you balance the sort of like, I don't know the poll. I feel it when I make episodes. I feel like I'm trying to be objective, um, and I have my own personal opinion on what I believe, which is that I never got into Top Shot to get rich. I, I got into Top Shot because I wanted to collect. That was that was my, and I'm not saying that that's everyone's perspective, and that's how it should be for everybody. But that's what it was for me. So, like, how do you balance the sort of all of these perspectives when you're creating content and you're speaking your truth, right? Um, knowing that you also, you know, you, you do work for evaluate. So it's a really tough position to be in. How do you balance all that? I guess is my question. Well, when I started working for them, I was like, you know, can I still, you know, make my videos? Can I, you know, still kind of, you know, tweet from my perspective and such. And, and they were like, yeah, you know, as, as long as it's not from like our account, like, you know, you can basically do whatever you want. So, um, so yeah. Um, but for my weekly update videos, I really try not to like put any kind of like opinions. I try to keep it facts, Factual. basically. Yeah, that makes sense. Because yeah, I'm like, you know what? I'm here to provide uh, information for the people. And um, I just try to keep it factual. But, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it is kind of hard, especially if, you know, you're maybe you're like, you, you make tweets about, oh, you know, you, you're just bullish on I me, mean, top shot and blah, blah, blah. And then people start attacking you because they're like, you know, they're mad because they've lost money. And then you're just like, you know, you, you, you do feel kind of like this responsibility, um, you know, to be really cautious about, you know, what, what you're putting out there, I guess. Um, so I really, I try not to like, you know, give any kind of, and I, I'm going to use the word financial advice. Um, but it's like, I, but I also just kind of try to either say like, you know, my opinion, what I'm doing, like, not like, oh, you should do this, you know, um, 
or just like straight, you know, facts. Like that's what I try to do. Cause, cause then it's like, okay, this is just what I said I'm doing. You know, I'm not like saying that this is best or whatever, but, but yeah, you know, you get pinned as a influencer and it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, I'm just creating content. And all of a sudden, you know, you just get labeled as an influencer, which to me, people always say that in like a negative way. So it kind of has a negative connotation in a way to me, but, um, you know, I, I just, well, it's weird, right? Because I I was, I don't know where I saw this analysis done, but essentially there's 50,000 people trading these avatar PFP projects. Like there, it's not this pool of millions of people, right? It's, it's a pretty, at this point in time, a pretty small number of human beings that are into this space. And, you know, I, I think that it is interesting to see because A, there's so few people in the space and B, there is a good source of content now at this point in the space that it is sort of susceptible to like market manipulation, right? You know, so if, if someone on a podcast comes on and they have a huge social media following and they say, oh, I'm, I'm super bullish on this moment, you know, it does have the potential to create some marketplace ripple. Uh, yeah. But but I think all of that is sort of what's like scary about the space and what's really cool about the space is that it is so new and that it's moving so quickly. Uh, let's talk about non-top shot. Let's talk about regular, like good old fashioned NFTs. And like, what was your journey from sort of being a, you had CryptoKitties, so you were always sort of in the NFT, the broader NFT space to begin with. But when you got into like the weekly updates for Top Shot and you're making these video content, did you sort of like zero in on Top Shot at that point? And, and then have you now sort of zoomed back out to look at the whole NFT landscape? Where, where's your journey been with that? Um, so I actually, um, one of the, he has like a top 25, you know, largest top shot accounts. His name is Kylo, Kylo Ren. Oh yeah. He's from India and huge account. Yeah. And, and he, I was actually DMing him on Twitter, um, you know, back before I started really getting into other NFTs, um, besides like Dapper Lab products. And, and, you know, I was kind of saying like, you know, I'm kind of hesitant to, you know, mint these NFTs and, and such, because, you know, I, I, I value my ETH more and I want, you know, I want to keep my ETH. I don't want to spend my ETH. You know, I'm, 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 I have more of like a huddle mentality versus like flipping and such. Right. So, and he was like, he was telling me like, yeah, but this is the way you can multiply your ETH. And I was just kind of like, Hmm, like, okay. Like, you know, I just kind of was like, you know what? I kind of thought about it in the back of my head. And then, um, you know, one of the co-founders of Evaluate Market, Christian, he was always just like, basically like minting like one of every project type of thing. And I'm just like, why are you doing this? And he's kind of like, well, you know, you know, we're, we're starting to get into other NFTs on our, on our site. And, you know, we want to have other NFTs to be able to analyze besides I'm top shot. And I want to be, you know, more into the space and, you know, know more about these other NFT projects. And, you know, I was kind of a NBA Top Shot maxi, I guess you could say. And I, I was like, eh, these other projects, like, you know, they're just gonna, you know, they're like pump and dumps, I was thinking. And and then, um, you know, finally, you know, after so much <laughs> boring action in NBA Top Shot, I was like, you know what, let me just, you know, take a risk let me take a risk. You know, people are, are telling me, you know, I kind of got to take a risk with this and let me, you know, take some of my ETH and, and, 
you know, invest into some NFTs. And so my first NFT that I minted was Voxies, um, which I, they actually do have a bonding curve. And back when I minted, I had minted four, 4.08 ETH. And I thought I could do a quick flip. I was like, ah, just do a quick, quick flip. Like, and literally I didn't, I was not able to quick flip it because like they were going for less than minting price on OpenSea. And I was like, bruh like and i was kind of like i was like oh this is like a fail like i was trying to quick flip like I thought so at that point are you like screw this like let me just go back to my little top shot bubble everything was fine there like what made you persist and to keep going after that first initial experience well i kind of didn't for a, a couple weeks i i kind of didn't or maybe not a couple maybe it was like a week i was like I was kind of discouraged and I was like, I'm not even going to mint anything else. And then my friend, Young Content, came out with his own NFT. And I was like, you know what? Let me support the guy. I was like 0.02. I was like, let me just support him. And I bought it, you know, and, you know, it didn't pump or anything. I wasn't intending on selling. And then, you know, then I had two projects under my belt. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I think I can, you know, I see all these people, you know, making gains. And I feel like I can do it too. You know, it's like I was motivated. And. So I'm like, you know what? I got to risk it for the biscuit. Sometimes you just have to, you know, risk it. And so I started minting other projects. Shortly after that, I ended up kind of hitting it big in a way. Um, I had minted uh, Slum Doge Billionaires. I had minted two. I think they were like 0 0.06. 0 0.06. Yeah, they were. Yeah. I have one. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I literally um, got number 142 number 1420 and it was like smoking weed it had like all nine traits and it was actually like a good one and i ended up selling it for one eth and i was so pumped i was like oh my god like my first like you know flip my first big flip and so i told myself oh, okay i'm gonna you know take out like 70 percent, and like then i'll use the rest to flip no that did not happen i i ended up using the rest of the money to make other projects and you know kind of going down that cycle of um you know, getting into flipping NFTs and, you know, basically started with, you know, less than an ETH and, you know, now I have over like 75 NFTs and, and, um, I have some good ones too. So well, I, I, I know recently... you do. You just, you had a big purchase last night, uh, with the cool yeah. cat. I saw it on your Twitter. Yeah. Like, but so you know, nervous. okay. Um, as someone who is financially, like I would describe myself as financially conservative, I'm much more risk averse. So like I'll mint 0.02, but like, honestly, it would, it, 0 0.06, 0 0.08 is very rare for me. Like that's just not, I, I don't, because for me, the stress of worrying about it is, it will not be enjoyable for me, Jennifer. Like I, I will be like anxious about, will I be able to get a gain here? If it's something I just want to hold, it's fine. And I have much more of a holder, uh, by nature anyways. But like one thing that I worry about as someone who's take, coming to this space as an educator, right? Like I'm, I, my, the purpose of my podcast is to educate people about this space is I worry about the addictive nature of these mints because, you know, I have a, a wife that will kill me if I spend stupid, which is my, I think that's in some ways my unfair advantage is that like I have her and my kids to think about and that governs me to like not be irresponsible. But like, I mean, do you feel like that that could be a real thing? Like getting overextended, getting, you know, 
over your skis and then putting yourself in a bad financial situation, chasing these gains. Like, I think like, especially coming out of seeing what's happened with the top shot market and where that is right now, like, like how, how do you encourage people about a project, but also like sort of have this sort of conscious idea that it can be really dangerous financially for people? Yeah. That's why I don't really like to tweet much about, you know, stuff that I'm minting. I really, I'm not like, I'm minting this right now. Like, I don't like to do that because I don't, I'm, I consciously try not to pump things because I know that a lot of people do do that. And I also don't like to do paid tweets, you know, paid promo tweets. I get reached out to a lot for that. But it's like, yeah, I think people do need to be really cautious about the type of projects that they are, you know, investing in and, you know, making sure that if they're minting something like, they're kind of willing to hold it long term or they're willing to gamble and lose all of their money. Like, you know, um, you know, it is kind of really easy to make money right now. It's not always going to be like this. But um, and, you know, obviously, you know, there's some projects I'm in that do go to zero. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, well, it, it's so funny, money. like even hearing you say that if I cut that audio and I zoomed us in the time machine and we went back to Top Shot in February. Right you could say the same damn thing. It's really easy to make money right now. And now look at it. And I just feel like, I, I, you can call it FUD. It's not the FUD that worries me for people as much as the FOMO. And I, I you know, I don't want anyone to ever, uh, you know, extend themselves or chase gains because to your point, I don't think it's sustainable, just like it wasn't sustain- sustainable for Top Shot moments to go for $100 for a base moment. Like, I don't think it's sustainable for these NFT profile projects to keep coming at the rate they're coming. There's literally a damn animal for every night of the week. There are so many cats that I can't keep. There's mad cat militia. There's cool cats. I mean, and there's lots of great projects and lots of great art. So by no means am I saying like, I don't get excited about these things or I don't see why they're cool. I get it. But like, we have to, I mean, do you think that we're approaching some sort of zenith where like we're going to go through some sort of NFT market recession, just like, just like the market fell in top shot? Or do you think it's still bullish for, you know, a while? I'm sure we will. I mean, Crypto Kitties, if you look back at that, that was the first ERC 721, technically the first, you know, NFT, they coined the term and, you know, they broke the Ethereum network, you know, in, in, in 2017 and you know, everyone was buying Crypto Kitties and breeding and, and then they went through a lull and they're even still in this lull where nobody's really like breeding and stuff like that. And so, yeah, of course there'll, there'll be like, you know, an NFT winter. And, and I feel like that's why now I'm kind of pivoting to, um, really just wanting to invest in, um, some NFTs that I want to hold long-term that I do believe in long-term. Cause yeah, I was having fun, you know, doing a lot of flipping and, you know, I, I flipped my way to a MediKey, which is something that I want to hold long-term. You know, I decided, okay, I'm going to actually, you know, spend some of my ETH, buy a cool cat, you know, for 0.69. And um, it, it's like, yeah, now I'm more about these long-term projects. Um, but I was I was definitely kind of minting, you know, just a ton of different projects, um, you know, just to kind of try it out. But, but yeah, I think that, you know, it's like now you just kind of have to think about, okay, what are the things that you believe in long-term? And, like, you would actually want to hold it long-term. Um, so yeah, I feel you, I feel you on that. And, you know, I don't, I don't know when the NFT winter is going to be, or, you know, what, how it, how that's even really going to play out, you know, but, um, 
every there's always opportunities to to make money in different things and and you know I mean, like with Top Shot, I'm just kind of like, I, you know, I'm just leaving my collection as is. And, you know, when it pops again, then great. You know, I'll sell some well, stuff. It, you, know, you know, the thing that's had me thinking the most this week in particular, as I look at the whole space, as I zoom out and and I don't participate in a lot of projects. I'm much more of someone who likes to talk about these projects because I don't feel like I'm invested in them, which makes it easier for me to be rational about something if <laughs> I'm not financially tied to it. Right. Um, but like. I think that stoner cats is the beginning of the end. And, and what I mean by that is that as celebrities push down into the space, right? People are like, people are going to be attracted to those products because they're going to believe that they have greater lasting power because celebrities are associated with them. And then I do wonder what happens to your, your, your artists or your people that are creating um, you're sort of like your indie crowd. It's no different than anything else. Right. And I think is this space, like it's different. Like what V friends is to me is very much like you are invested in Gary V as a brand. You, you want to inc- like deepen that investment in the brand. But I just wonder if like the generative art, the ERC 721 stuff, if like we're part of the, the winter is going to come from the celebrities pushing down. We've seen the really crappy celebrity projects, like like when Mike Tyson throws up a cool cat out of nowhere and all of a sudden he's like this NFT native. But like, I think that the, the Stoner Cats one was the one for me where it's like, no, this feels different. I'm not saying it's bad, but it just feels strange. Like, what was your take on the Stoner Cats project in, in terms of how everything went with that? And, and where do you sit on sort of those celebrity uh, endorsed products? I mean, first of all, I do kind of feel like there's room for, you know, a lot of project projects because, you know, people aren't just going to have one NFT, you know, they're going to want to have multiple, but yeah, it's like, you know, what, what'll end up being, you know, the top ones uh, that everyone wants. As far as Stoner Cats goes, I knew from the start I wasn't going to mint and, you know, I still don't have any because it was just too high of a price point for me, you know, 0.35, that's too much for me to gamble. I, I, that, you know. I, I'm not going to, you know, put that much in the line. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. I haven't done too much research into Stoner Cats to really kind of judge the project. But, I, you know, I have heard a lot of things on Twitter. And, you know, people didn't seem too happy. Uh, I guess they didn't write the contract very well. And, you know, they're kind of using weird lingo, like, oh, we're going to talk to Ethereum. And it's like, huh, that makes no sense, you know. So it's like, yeah, Um I mean, I'm not a huge fan of like celebrity NFTs. Um, personally, I'm not really like, a, I don't really like celebrities really. So it's kind of like, eh, not a huge fan of that. But yeah, I agree. Like when, you know, celebrities start entering the space, you know, that's kind of like, you know, we well, got to well, be a little cautious. <laughs> you, you do because like, at least there's some sort of vision for a roadmap with this Stoner Cast project where like the Mike Tyson one is just a money grab. Like there's no sort of, you're not going to get into the ring with Mike Tyson if you have one of his tokens. That's not the utility that we're talking about here. But like, you know, I mean, I go back to V friends, Gary understood from the jump utility. He, he built utility like to drive the, because no offense to, to Gary, his, his art is okay. He's not like, he's not some Supreme artist. Like it was all about the utility and community from the jump. So I just think that the space is going to be interesting to watch. And you know, while the ask was high on Stoner Cats and it was too rich for my blood too, I told you I'm like a 0.02 dude all the way, uh, 0.03 maybe, 
if I'm feeling crazy, but like when I looked at it, I just go, there's a huge chance that the NFT collection is going to reject the hell out of this project because it is very much an indie artist, sort of these anonymous teams creating this beautiful art and these beautiful communities, not run, not centralized by anybody. And like, I just felt like there's a huge chance, like, like it, it could be like someone getting a transplant and the body just rejecting the organ and just saying like, no, 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 thank you. So that was my, the ask was too high, but on top of it, I just wasn't sure how the NFT community was going to respond to it. And I think that is the, like the, the interesting part about this is you never really know what's going to catch on and boom. And there's been product projects that I've like, wow, this is really dope. Like I could see why people like this. And then it disappears in the middle of the night. So um, I think like you're smart and like delivering updates with facts and giving people news they can use and, you know, avoiding And it sucks to be tagged as an influencer when you're not aiming to influence. And it's like, Anything that you say about anything that you think can then be tagged as you, quote unquote, attempting to influence people. Uh, but I mean, in the end of the, at the end of the day, like everyone says, everyone needs to do their own research. Everyone needs to not overextend themselves and they're responsible for themselves. But uh, did you imagine when you started making your videos in February that like the, the level of boom that would happen in the whole space and then your seat and your part in that, that it would get as crazy as it's gotten in six months? Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, well, I know that uh, Dapper, if you look on the Dapper Labs website, it's like their mission is to introduce the blockchain to a billion people. And so I always, I always kind of knew that, you know, they were going to achieve that. They were really going to you know, everyone was going to know about, about blockchain technology through their, you know, probably through NBA Top Shot. And, but I didn't think it would happen so fast. I mean, not that everybody does know about NBA Top Shot, but, you know, a lot of people did in a short amount of time. Like, you know, things did happen really quick. I wasn't expecting that, but, you know, I know that cycles come and go. And it's kind of like, like the NFT projects right now, you know, it kind of, Reminds me of like the ICO boom in 2017. It's like these anonymous. All the white you know, papers flowing. Yeah. Yeah. They were just creating these white papers and it was like, and people were investing money and then, you know, they didn't even have to even do anything. And, you know, it's like with all these anonymous teams, I really wish they were more, you know, there was more like um, transparency in who they are as a human. It's like, I really kind of get annoyed by all the non anonymous teams. It's like, why are they always so anonymous? Have some responsibility and accountability for your project. Be vulnerable. You know, like everyone's so anonymous in the space. And it's like, you know, it, I guess it's fine for, for the people, you know, investing and stuff. But it's like, if you're creating a project, like put yourself out there, like be vulnerable. It makes me more confident in the project if I know who's behind it personally. Well, you know, I, I, person. you're right on. And, uh, our, our mutual friend and Packrip Media contributor, uh, Top Shot Swicky, had done a, a a blog post on Africa from the world, Laura Dembe, who is someone that I had had on my podcast maybe in June, a uh, really talented artist from Uganda. And the irony was that I had actually minted her work without knowing it was her work. And then she ended up on the podcast. And once we started talking, I was like, oh my God, that's your work? And she, yeah. And we had a good laugh about it. But like, I know who she is. I know her story. I've like, 
I am connected to her art because I want to invest in her because I, I, I appreciate what she does. Like I've seen two different projects she's done. I like what she's done with both of them and she's good people, which makes me want to not just buy her art, but tell others to buy her art too, you know? And that is missing in this anonymity. It's like, I can't connect with you, you know? And I, honestly, of this is my 20th episode, I think, that I will all will release by the time it comes out. And I think that, like, honestly, like, 17, 16 or 17 of these people were totally anonymous. Like, no camera on, don't know their name. I have not seen Pac Rip Ewing's face to this day. We talk on a daily basis. I have no idea what he looks like. Like, it, it's weird. And I do think that artists are missing out on monetizing their art and growing because of... They're being anonymous because everyone is being anonymous instead of really consciously thinking about what's going to be best for their project, which if they're people, people or people person, connecting with people will help their project. No doubt about it. Yeah. And and like that event coming up, NFT NYC, which I feel like everyone's going to go to. How are you even going to recognize anyone? They're only going to recognize the people that actually put themselves out there. Like I'm not super popular, but I think you know, a lot of people will recognize me because they know what I look like. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and, and how are you going to know what other people look like? I mean, I don't know. I guess I get it. You know, they want to be anonymous. But if you're trying to grow your brand, like if you're an artist or you're, you know, trying to create a project, it's like, I think putting your face out there is huge advantage because barely anyone is doing it. Like you have to go against the grain. And you don't even have to put your face out there if you don't want to, but come on a podcast, make some YouTube content where your face is blurred, but like we're knowing who you are because, you know, you invest in people as much as you do in art. Like if, if someone draws you in um, and you have a connection with them, it's really powerful. And I, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent on this one. Like I, I see it as that's going to start changing, I think, um, because I think it's one of those things that we're everyone's anonymous, but no one really knows why. Like, I think a lot of it is just because you're, oh, well, you're making a project. So you need to have a, a weird name. Uh, you have to have like two words that don't go together as your Twitter <laughs> handle. Uh, and then you have to be anonymous. Uh, mm-hmm. So no, I think that's that's a really good call. Listen, I don't want to take too much of your time. Is there any projects or anything that you want to talk about or um, plug before we get off today? Um, I mean, well, I, I did kind of want to um, mention because you had asked about Evaluate Market and I did kind of want to say that um, what I love about working for them just quickly is like right now we're kind of broadening what we're doing. And, and you know, instead of just being an uh, MBA Topshop focused platform, we're going to be basically having just a ton of NFTs on our site to analyze um, and I'm super excited about that. And we're kind of like going through this whole rebranding right now and like, you know, redesigning the site and everything. And, um, so I'm just excited for that. And, and I feel like it'll be nice for people to know, um, price history, which often is really hard to find on OpenSea. Like you can look at individual, you know, the individual history of, of an NFT, but you know, you can't really look at the trait history of an NFT. Like, you know, you can't really look at, oh, what is people paid from all time without, you know, clicking into a bunch of stuff. So, yeah, I'm super excited about that. Um, and uh, as far as projects, 
man, I feel like I have, you know, a few projects that I'm like waiting to kind of pump. And then it's like, you know, I have some projects that I'm like, okay, this is long-term. My two long-term right now that I have is Medikeet and Cool Cats. And then I really want to get a House of Kiba membership. Like really want to get I, one. I kick myself for not doing that. Like, okay, obviously if you don't have an ape, you kick yourself for not having an ape. But the, I have two stories on huge misses. The first was Cool Cats. I was literally flying to Chicago from Dubai during the mint, missed it all landed everything was gone the boom was on its way and i love the art and the aesthetic but i just never got one and then the uh i, I think like the 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 house of kiba was the other one like i just didn't get it at the time like what when that was going on i want to say it was like maybe march april when that membership thing was happening and i just like remember going like well what, they're, they're gonna send me an nft every month like okay it's like uh like being in like a wine club or something do i really want like is it worth 500 yeah it was worth 500 bucks swing and a miss on that one for sure i want to thank my guest jennifer sudo for joining me on this episode of nfteach i hope you enjoyed it have a lot of great episodes coming your way soon. Going to be speaking with Crypto Poppy, Alxo, um, and there's some great other episodes you should check out, both on the eight, the Packrat Media stream as well as the NFT stream. Did a really great episode about KYC and AML with Rob PT45. Uh, just a lot of good stuff for you to check out and learn with and from. Uh, again, check out the Pack Rip Media stream as well for Here for the Moments. And there should be some new podcasts happening this weekend on that stream. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for listening as always. Thanks for your support, your retweets, your likes. Uh, all of it's greatly appreciated. And uh, as always, take care of yourselves and each other. Peace. Mm-hmm.